you're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, good morning. It is uh, wonderful to be here in this place, in this time with you. God has appointed There's an anointing on this time. If there weren't, it wouldn't be important to meet. But if I believe as I do that God has established this moment, moment, he saw it long before we're getting to live it, and we're now getting to discover all that he has planned for this time we spend together. It's difficult for me to express how a message comes to me, uh, It's always difficult to explain how it happens because the means by which it comes is as varied as the messages are. It never happens the same way twice. Sometimes the messages come with sharp edges and I can feel that when he gives it to me and there's sharp and piercing truth in it. Our message today comes from the tenderest places of a father's heart. He is this morning in me overflowing in tenderness. And it's it's changing everything. It's real hard to describe how he wants to release this message this morning. It will be filled with truth. It will be relevant to who we are, where we are, where we sit right now. But please understand that God's desire this morning is that you would feel, you would know and experience by this revelation the tenderness of his heart. I am discovering. I don't know how he remains tender. He must be an overwhelming God because when I hear what I hear, And I watch people face what they face each day. And the cruelty and the things that happen. And you recognize that the grace of God is covering that. The awfulness that we hear that happens between people in the news. The things that we hear that we're so quick to judge and so harsh in in our assessments. And recognize that the grace of God. It's bigger than that. Man, as believers, when we begin to get a grasp on the tenderness and the kindness that it takes for God to extend that grace to us every day, full of grace and full of mercy, what a remarkable Father He truly is. Because we keep wanting the wrath of God and God's saying, no, this is the day of the mercy of God. This is the day of mercy. I want us to begin this morning in Luke chapter 1. If you'd go there with me, or you can read it up here. As the scripture is describing John the Baptist, he's about to march onto the scene as the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And in this scripture, he states the powerful purpose 
established by God for such a strange man as John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 76. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of, of our God, whereby the day spring from on high both visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. There is a huge announcement made in this simple verse. God says three things. In verse 77, I want to give knowledge of salvation unto my people by the remission of their sins. He says in verse 79, I want to give light to them that sit in darkness. I want to give light to them that sit in the shadow of death. And that also in verse 79, and I want to guide their feet into the way of peace. So listen to that. I, I want to give knowledge of salvation. I want to give light. And I want to guide their feet. And he says, the way that I'm going to do that, the way that I'm going to deliver those three things, the means by which it all will happen is found in the first words of verse 78. Through the tender mercy of our God. By the tender mercy, we're going to get the knowledge of salvation. By his tender mercy, we're going to realize the light that's come to those who sit in darkness. And by his tender mercy, we're going to receive the guidance that our feet need to discover the way of peace. It's all going to happen through his Tender mercy. Again, this is not the God that we want to watch show up. We get tired. We watch in frustration of the things that are going on around us, and we want this God of fury. We want this God of action. We want this moving, powerful, interrupting, abrupt God that will just step in and fix those things that we want fixed the way we want them fixed. And God has said, no, through the tender mercy of God. We're going to have to stop and pray. There's a spirit in here that doesn't belong. <clears throat> Father, there's a disruptive spirit in this place, not on anyone. But there's a disruptive spirit in this place. And Father, we bind that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. You've got a message. And it's one that you want to pass through our mind, into our heart, a very short trip this morning. And Father, I pray that that spirit, again, I'm not speaking to a person, but to a spirit, that that spirit of disruption be removed from this auditorium this morning the name of Jesus Christ to be removed because it has no place here. 
but it's working and trying to disrupt, to take minds and hearts away. Father, we thank you that by Jesus' name, that spirit is now bound. We are now ready for what you have to say. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. The entire passage, powerful. The entire passage is beautiful, filled with truth. One phrase, however, is the one, again, that has captured me all week. I'm not sure why, but as I said, such is the mystery of how he brings truth to me to share it with you. He's quiet this morning. That's why that spirit of disruption knows it can work. Because if he's going to be quiet, it doesn't take much to get us off. He's whispering his message this morning. This is unusual for me because my voice by its very nature wants to boom. And God is saying no. It's a whisper this morning. He showed me this that the quieter he gets, the faster it goes through our minds, straight to our heart. He wants this to be a very, very short trip from what our minds can comprehend to the effect that it has on our heart this morning. He's been whispering this word to me all week. He's saying, Randy, it's about tenderness. Now, I'll tell you, this is odd for me. Tenderness is not a word that typically comes up in me, and and that's probably one of the reasons why God has brought it so profoundly. The word itself to the Hebrew was describing the seat of, of, of more tender affection, especially kindness, benevolence, compassion, tender mercies. You look it up, that's the description of this word tenderness. The seat of more tender affection, especially especially kindness, benevolence, compassion, tender mercy. And I began to understand why would he bring this focus? Why would he bring attention here? Well, if he's going to give us this vision of love and service, and it's going to be by that message that he's going to that he's going to reach many in this in this season that we're in, this day that we're in, he's going to reach many through kindness. And I'm not surprised that he would bring this back to our attention. Ephesians chapter 4 captures this very well. Verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now, again, the Spirit of God wants that read this morning as if he's whispering it to you, not to us, whispering it to you. And be you kind, not to the congregation, but he's saying it to me. He's saying it to Danny, to Amy, Shorty, Teresa, Jeremy, 
person by person, Sammy and Debbie, person by person. Be ye kind one to another. Be tender-hearted one to another. Forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. The power of the word, at least to me, is the picture it paints of God's understanding of us and loving us, caring for us so deeply that his greatest tender mercy was in himself, Jesus, this day spring of God's goodness. And if we believe what we've been taught and what we've been shown that he lives in us by his spirit, then we too are the full expression of tender mercy to one another. You see, if we don't start there, if I don't understand how he was to me, if I don't understand the depth of the tenderness that he had to show me, because if I didn't know anything about any of you, I know everything about me. I know how, I know how this story looks. I know how black it is. I know the thoughts that go through my head. I know the crippling effects of those things. And I know what I deserved. I, I deserve something greater, much more dynamic, much more fierce than his tenderness. But if he approached me that way, how do I approach Melissa? The first thing it rules out is any judgment, any need for assessment any trying to figure out. It says, no, God didn't ask me to explain my life to him before he would take me. You see, when that happens and for Melissa, then she can look at Federico and accept it from the kindness because that's the way she received it. We won't, we will have a difficult time in ministry if we don't realize that we started here. I, I recently heard a story, and it's one of those that when you hear it, you know it could be true, you just don't know if it is. So I'm not going to portray it as if it is. It was told it's true, and that's, that's the best I can do. Here's the story. There were five businessmen making a, a, a day trip to a large meeting uh, and they, they left the meeting late in the day and expected uh, and moved and ran hurriedly through a train station trying to catch their train home. However, in the station, as they hurried through, there was a table, and one of the men bumped this table, and there was a young boy sitting there selling apples. The table, the apples, and the boy were left in quite a mess. And the men kept running. But before the train could pull away, one of the men came back. He just felt, he, he can't leave this like this. I can't go home knowing what just happened. So before the train pulled away, one of the men, feeling that tug on his heart, uh, told his friends, y'all go on, I'll catch the next train. So he goes back in the train station to find the boy scrambling together the apples 
and discovering when he got back also that the boy that was sitting there was blind. Realizing that many of the apples were bruised, he was trying to help the boy get the table set back up, the apples back in the basket, everything back to the way it should have been. And he realized that in, the, in this incident, many of the apples were bruised and couldn't be sold, so he gave the young man the money for the apples and, said, and, and apologized and said, I'm sorry. And as he was about to walk away, the boy called after him and asked him this question. Sir, are you Jesus? See, what was the quality? What was the characteristic? What was there about this man that would, that would prompt this enormous question? It wasn't the extreme amount of money. It was the kindness. It was the tenderness that he showed. Because we can raise our voice and we can judge and we can criticize and we can even be right and they'll never say, by the way, are you Jesus? But when they experience what they can't find anywhere else, when they've experience the grace of God, the tenderness of his heart, when they experience that, they will ask the question, are you Jesus? And I know the world has largely forgotten this truth. <clears throat> and I forget it way too often. Now, God took me through that part of this message and then he, it's like he delivered a second part. And, and I'm, at the time, I'm not seeing how these two pieces are married. I want you to go with me to Matthew 26. He brought me to a strange moment in the scripture. He brought me back to the garden and this moment between Jesus and his father because he simply asked the father, if this cup could pass from me. It's a strange question being asked by the Son of God. Matthew 26, I'll begin reading with verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he comes unto his disciples, and finds them asleep, and said unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except that I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And I see in the scripture, and I now know the connection. The greatest act of tenderness 
The greatest act of kindness ever shown to mankind was in this moment. What was it? He drank the cup. There's never been a more kind moment. There's never been a more tender moment in all that I could read than for Jesus to be staring into this cup. It would, the scenario would be this. Imagine yourself holding a cup and you stare into the cup and you're looking into this, the nastiest thing you could ever see the filthiest and most vile thing you could ever imagine being in that cup. But for the sake of someone's life, you stare into the cup. And I tell you what, there's not going to be anything to motivate you or move you to drink that cup if it's not the kindness that you feel for the other one for whom you're drinking. I don't think, I don't think there would be anything that could cause me to drink that cup unless I'm sitting looking straight into their face realizing that if I don't, I know your fate. I can't imagine anything that would move me or motivate me to drink the filth that's in the cup than the kindness that I feel for the person to whom I'm looking. So what was in the cup? What did he have to drink? He had to drink the worst that the world could offer. All the sins of every generation were in the cup. Now that's a bit overwhelming. Every, every rape, every murder, every vile thing that could come in that category was in that cup. Corruption, perversion, anger, pride, judgment, filth, every degenerate act, every vicious action, brutality, rejection, slander, murder, all in the cup. Can we fully understand when he looked in the cup can we understand why he would say to the father father is there any other way for me to demonstrate my love for this person my kindness the tenderness I feel for them except for me to drink the cup what happened and why he drank the cup. Why did he do it? Because he knew you and I couldn't drink it. He knew we couldn't. I just find it remarkable that the Son of God, this man who had walked on water, this man who had seen the power and the grace and the goodness of God so poured out of him day by day, is asking his father, is there another way? And the father's answer was no. 
There's no greater act of tenderness. There's no greater act of kindness than for you to lay down your life for their sin. He drank the cup for us. He drank the cup for me. He drank the cup for you. And where were the disciples when this unrepeatable moment occurred? Where were they when this conversation was going on? And when you really began to understand, when was the victory over death won? Yes, it was acted out on the cross. But the victory came in this moment when he said, not my will, but your will. And where were his disciples? Where were the ones he had trained and prepared for this moment? Where were they? They were asleep. They slept. The ones he had trained and made ready slept. We can't be too hard on them. They didn't have 66. They didn't have 66 books of evidence. They didn't have the full look at his life that they could go back and review and take apart like we can. They didn't have the indwelling spirit yet that they would receive at Pentecost. I try not to let me get in his way as he tells me this truth and I try not to draw his conclusions on your behalf. I don't want to tell you all that this means and all that he could have... uh, Let's get out of this message, but he did show me we do have these 66 books of evidence. We do have this full look at his life in review, and we do have his indwelling spirit that came to us after Pentecost and was given to all who believe, and yet we sleep. And the greatest act of kindness and tenderness ever exemplified by any human. They slept. We sleep. We sleep and we miss the unrepeatable things that God is doing, that he's planning to do, working to do by us and through us. We sleep. We sleep and miss the mighty calling he has released on us, kind of sleeping through it. We sleep and we miss the awe of his majesty that he so desires to put on display in us. We sleep and miss the glory that shines round about us. We sleep on the pillow of our own rejecting of the truth. We sleep on the pillow of complacency and apathy. We sleep on the pillow of our own lives absorbed in our own story. We sleep on the pillow of our own disregard of his unique calling on our lives. We sleep on the pillow of the hardness of our own hearts formed by years of judgment of resentment, of anger, bitterness, pride, religion. We sleep. 
And God says, if you knew the great tenderness that I want to still pour out on you, and then by you that I want to pour out on others, you wouldn't dare sleep. You wouldn't dare miss it. You wouldn't dare shut your eyes because the minute that you do, you would miss something that you're going to get to see me do, and it's unrepeatable. I won't do it again. Isn't that amazing? That God never does anything that he repeats. He's going to die once. He's going to be buried once. He's going to be resurrected once. One time the Holy Spirit's going to come. One time he's going to save me. One time he's going to bless me in this way, bless me in that way. One time, and I don't want to miss them. I don't want to miss them. I, I do this from time to time just to make a point, especially in my relationship with Jan. I'm not going to make a call, but I need a calculator here for just a second. Uh, I'm not going to tell you all how old Jan is. But let, let me just say that for us to have a significantly long life together, that means that we would have uh, about 15 years times 365. That means that Jan and I would have just over 5,000 days left. Now, we're going we're gonna to sleep through a significant part of that, and there's going to be a significant part of that that we're not going to be together. So if I break that down and even together to be half of that time, that means just over 2,000 days Jan and I would be together. How many of those days do you think I want to waste? Out of anger or frustration or disappointment or anything else? When I realize that my life here still allows me to tell a story. I still have history to write. Nobody gets to write it but me. I will make my decisions and I will write my history. And I have been made profoundly aware this past week. I want it to be a history whose ink is tenderness. Because I know if the world's going to be changed, it's going to be changed because the light has come. Truth has been revealed. His glory shines round about us. And he says, I would really like this morning if I could just nudge you awake. I don't want to shout in your ear. I want to whisper in your ear as you slumber. Arise and shine. For the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover, cover the earth and gross darkness shall cover the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen in you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light and, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see. All they gather themselves together. They come to you. 
Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and flow together, and your heart shall fear and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto you. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto you. Arise and shine, for the light is come. And I've made this light to shine from your hearts. That they would see your good work. See our kindness. See our love. See our tenderness. And absolutely know that he is God. Arise and shine. For the light has come. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.